Hey guys, and welcome to the MLB UK Community Podcast, a podcast to be named later, and it is a special episode because we have from the MLB Network, the MLB.com, and Fox reporter John Morosi. He had joined us and gave us a fantastic chat uh, on pretty much everything. It was a really fun chat, and that is coming up very, very shortly. First of all, though, as ever, I am joined by Tracy from uh, UK Mets Online. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Dave. How are you? I am. I'm great. Despite everything that's going on, I'm I'm as good as can be. Uh, George from uh, at UK Astros and MLB UK Community. How are you, mate? Yeah, just bearing up, getting through it the way we all are. St- uh, strange times, difficult times, but yep, here we are. And of course, Nick from LA Angels UK and MLB UK Community as well. Nick, how are you? Good evening. I'm great. Self-isolating, so I can watch lots of old baseball games and films as you'll hear about later yeah yeah um yeah it's absolute unprecedented times at the moment as as everybody knows you know it's it's just surreal at the moment it is mm. surreal uh, and obviously the start of the baseball season has been delayed by at least two weeks and inevitably it's going to be extended for longer which of course george uh, the events have had to go by the wayside as well, sadly. Um, gutted and really, really yeah. disappointed, but we, it's inevitable. We've got to do it, George. Um, yeah, it's yeah. sad. sad. Yeah, it was a, a real shame for us. Unfortunately, he had absolutely no, no choice, not just because there was no baseball, but because it's not really the right thing to do either, just in terms of trying to keep things isolated, social distancing and all that. So, um, all I can say is that to everyone listening, um, you know, we're, we're very sorry to have to cancel it, but you have our absolute word. Uh, as soon as baseball's back, we will be back. So watch out for that hashtag MLB Meetups UK. Yeah, absolutely. And also yeah. follow us on Instagram. That's what we need. There's yeah, going to be exclusive do, content do, 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 do. on the Instagram um, MLB UK community. So yeah, please follow us. Yeah, as soon as uh, I think it's going to be a while, but when baseball returns, so will we. And uh, we'll be straight on it to let you know of the eventual opening day uh, or opening weekend meets, mm. and uh, and we'll we'll go from there. It's it's obviously a fluid situation. It's going to be a player player mm. situation, uh, but we will absolutely let you know when we know anything at all. Um, but in the meantime, to lift the spirits, let's. Uh, we got everyone's got plenty of time now to, to no sport on telly, so we've got a fantastic <laughs> podcast for you. Here is a really fun chat with John Morosi, everyone. Okay, guys, like we said before, we are joined by a very, very special guest. It is, and let me roll this off, MLB Networks, MLB.com, and also an on-air reporter for Fox Sports. It is John Morosi, ladies and gentlemen. John, thank you so much for joining us, and, and how are you? Well, Dave, George, Tracy, and Nick, uh, great to be with you. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on the on the show today, and, and I know, obviously, a, a challenging time for the for the world, for the sports world, and uh, really unprecedented times, and 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 I have found this that that talking through it and, and connecting with our friends around the world is is probably some of the most helpful therapy that we can all have right now. So uh, it, in that vein, I'm I'm really uh, honored to be able to join you today as as we we mark this moment in time and and uh, hopefully give give everyone uh, a great conversation about the things that we love and, and that hopefully we'll, that we'll be seeing back on the field here pretty soon. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. Could not yeah. agree more. Could not agree more. Um, 
as you just said, this is absolutely unprecedented times. I know in the US you've had uh, the player strikes before uh, and breaks, but here for us, this is completely unprecedented. You know, we've never been through this before. Um, at this very moment, as we're speaking, what's happening right now with the teams? Are they staying in camp? Are they, do they know what's going to happen next? What, do they go home? Do you, do you know what's happening at the moment? Well, Dave, it's a great question, and uh, in real time here, uh, as things have evolved over the course of, of the day, and we're speaking here on, on a Friday, mm. uh, reports are indicating that uh, MLB teams, in a, in a departure from what the original plan was, uh, they are allowing the players to return home. Uh, and for the most part, the spring training facilities will be closed with the exception of, of the weight room workout area, which obviously will be cleaned strenuously every day uh but the idea there is uh that if if players want to stay they can and still use the workout facilities but that given the the fact that we don't know when things are going to resume that that we have the sense this could be a a longer layoff um that that going home is something that a is prudent from a timing standpoint and b uh, something the players wanted to do. And, and mm. we can all empathize with that. This is a, a time of, of global emergency. We do not know what happens next. Uh, and so I think in that, in that vein, uh, I think we can all understand that being with family and being in the comfort of home is, is probably where most people want to be right now. And uh, I, I would also note that certainly around the U.S., um, you know, I speak from my home state uh, in, in Michigan, which is one of the colder ones, uh, in the U.S., uh, in the lower 48, uh, that, that we uh, we have weather right now that is simply gorgeous for early spring baseball and activity, and that if you wanted to train outside no matter where you live in the States, you can do that. It's not really incumbent on you to stay right where, you're, uh, where your club is training for mm-hmm. spring training. So in many mm-hmm. ways, frankly, uh, players may just simply go and, and uh, move to their in-season housing uh, in in their in their ballparks and in, in their mm. uh, in their cities where they're playing during the course of the of the regular season because simply the weather and the conditions are good enough to do so. So it really is a uh, it's an unprecedented time as as you all know and and uh, the, the guidelines are in some ways changing by the day in terms of how big of a gathering is is suitable to even have at this point in time yeah. um, here in the U.S. So uh, it's it's very much a moving uh, a moving story. But again, the the big headline of the last. 24 hours from a standpoint of what happens next in baseball is that players are able to go home. And I suspect uh, a great number of them will exercise that right. I can just, I just got images of, of like kids, like obviously off school, just walking past their park and seeing players like Bryce Harper, just practicing in their local park. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's not inconceivable, you know, (laughs) you're right, Dave. No, it's very possible. And especially for the pitchers, they still need to find time particularly with pitching to get their work in and, and they will. And, and to your point, if you go home, you need a catcher. And, and yeah. we may see, I remember there was a moment, uh, I think it was a couple off seasons ago, Jeremy Guthrie, who was a, a notable pitcher for the Royals uh, some number of years ago, actually a great fan of international baseball himself. Uh, Jeremy uh, was, I think it was the winter time. He was living in Kansas city. And I think he said on Twitter Guys, I've got to throw a bullpen. I don't have a catcher right now. Who wants to meet me at such and such park and we'll we'll pitch? So uh, uh, you can imagine a number of Royals fans rushing there to be able to catch (laughs) Jeremy's bullpen. And and Dave, to your question, I I think we could see a very similar 
set of circumstances here um, uh, occurring for for major league players and minor league players, in fact, trying to get their work in. So um, the game, I, I really believe and I'm confident, guys, that, that we're going to see baseball at some point in time, but we simply don't know how soon. And, and I'll, I'll relate to you a, a quick story that, that I was told yeah. this week. A friend of mine, uh, uh, Frank Herman, who actually pitches now in Japan, he has pitched before in the major leagues for the Indians and the Phillies. And Frank right now is getting ready for his season in Japan. Um, and he described to me that, that effectively Japan with the coronavirus, um, with the novel coronavirus, uh, is, was back in the later part of January when he arrived for the season where we in the U.S. are right now. And, and, mm, and they still right. have not been able to play games with fans in the stands. Um, and to Frank's point, he's not even entirely sure it's going to happen uh, around the early part of April. So when you consider late January to even a very unsure start of, of early to mid-April tells us we might be looking at 10 weeks before we can really see games played before fans, which again puts us in the, the middle to the latter half of May. So that's, wow. again, that's just a rough, it's a mm. rough estimate. That's not from a scientist, but it's from mm. someone who is living through it right now in Japan and said, John, don't be surprised if this is what you find. And so uh, that's why I think um, MLB teams and the players are smartly realizing this is not a short-term situation. This is a long-term, unfortunately, situation. But the key thing is, everybody, and whether you're listening to this in the UK or the US or anywhere in the baseball world, we've got to get this right and we've got to stay in these new social norms for as long as possible. I, yeah. I, I would compare it yeah. in my in my very layman's terms here to your, uh, and, and again, it's sort of a, uh, maybe it is or isn't a, a very timely uh, reference here to one's, uh, to one's investment accounts or one's retirement accounts. You got to keep that in there as long as you possibly can before <laughs> <Yeah>. withdrawing to, <laughs> let it, to let it do its work for as long as possible before you can then hopefully reap the benefits on the back end. We've got to stay in this mode as long as one possibly can because the longer that we, uh, that we do this now, the better that our healthcare professionals, whether they're in the UK or the US, anywhere in the world, the better chance they've got to take care of the very sick people that we have all around yeah, the world. Agreed. So agreed. we've got Excellent. to really adhere to that, to that yeah. rule and that, and that guideline right now. Absolutely better to be safe than sorry. Um, a quick question for me. Uh, if, if indeed the delay to the season does extend to that sort of timeline of you're looking at maybe two to three months, do you think it's likely that we could potentially see a, a, a brief second spring training? Or do you think that's they just dive into mm. the season? How do you think they would address that? That's a great question, George. I, I think that we're going to see, uh, no matter when the season resumes, an element of spring training will occur. Uh, we will get, I would say, at minimum, a lead time of, of two weeks to 20 mm. days somewhere in that range before we really know. Because as you know, one of the one of the most pressing topics in the game in recent years has been pitcher health. And so mm -hmm. if, uh, if, if we're not fully sure about a pitcher's health right now, uh, I think it's very much incumbent on, on teams to make sure, and they're going to do this, that you're not going to hand a ball to Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, and say, okay, in five days, yeah. you're going to pitch against the Giants. It's just not going to yeah. work. So, so you, you've got to give everybody a lot of time, and I think they will. But, but to your point, George, you're right. I mean, you really have to take a, a very deliberate ramp up to make sure the pitchers are ready. And the pitchers are, are really the people for whom spring training exists. We always hear of some hitters yeah. who believe 
for as, as well conditioned as they are, they need maybe a solid 10 days of at bats and they're good mm. to go. But for the, for the pitchers, they really need a lot of work. And I think for that reason, uh, you're going to see a, a real ramp up to that time. And also George, I would say a real, mm. Um, understanding and flexibility on how long the season can go. Uh, I, I think MLB For is sure. going to have to be careful uh, when you consider it. And, and my friend Joel Sherman at MLB Network has made this point in the New York Post as well, is that given the fact that some of the health experts, some of the epidemiologists believe that there could be a seasonality to this virus, which would mean that we could see potentially an uptick again in the fall, yeah, I think second MLB wave. is going to be exactly very wary about pushing that season too far into the fall and jeopardizing the championship portion of the mm-hmm. season, the, mm-hmm. the postseason yeah. part of it, with a potential flare-up of this of this illness again. So I, I think for that reason, we may see a relatively economical uh, scheduling of the year to get it as much as many games as he can, but certainly within reason, and try to end it in a reasonable time frame, maybe even with a warm weather pre-scheduled neutral site World Series to mm. make sure uh, that that you're able to get as much baseball played as possible in advance of what could be a recurrence potentially of this of this deadly disease. That would be something. How to have, have that? Sorry, sorry, Nick. Just for one one follow up question, just quickly there. Um, what what do you see the minimum number of regular season games that MLB would be willing to limit the season to? Uh, would be. That's a very pivotal question, George. I, I would say somewhere in the range of, a, of of at least eighty at a bare minimum, maybe a little longer than that. Mm. Uh, I, I do think that MLB will will want to do the very best they can to mm-hmm. to have a championship awarded. Uh, the sport, as you well know, uh, went through a difficult off season to begin with. Uh, obviously, much, for yeah. reasons uh, mm. that in comparison are quite trivial to what we're dealing with right now. But mm. the Astros sign stealing scandal and and uh and really the, the overall diminishment in recent years in attendance at games so th- th- there's there are a lot of issues the sport is dealing with and i think for that reason that cathartic moment of having a champion would be incredibly therapeutic for the game and oh, yeah. i i really do hope that that uh, and so maybe at 70 games one could say might wow. be might be reasonable but but i i would think that would be the the, the bare minimum that you could have to be able to, to contest a full season here in, in 2020. For sure. Sorry, Nick, go on. That's just because I actually, you asked a similar question to what I was going to ask. But John, what sort of discussions do you think they're having with the uh, Players Association? Because obviously they're having to shorten the season and try and cram as many games in as possible. I know they have a certain number of off days they have to have during a year. Um, how, how do you think that would work? What sort of discussions will be going on? That's an excellent point, Nick. And, and I, I do think that... Uh, uh, ensuring player safety and 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 just that the the overall um, toll on on their bodies would not be too great by any changes in the in the travel routines. We also have to acknowledge Nick as well that we don't know uh, the extent to which domestic travel could be disrupted further here in the states True. during the course of the year. Mm-hmm. That is that is a a major concern here. And and given you know one thing about uh, you think about the 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 contesting of a se- of a season in Japan, well, a lot of the travel there is done by train. Uh, and the same thing is true in Korea. Uh, this is one of the largest, I mean, obviously one of the largest countries by land that we've got in the world, but certainly that, that can, over a geographic footprint, it is one of the more broadly contested 
single leagues that we have anywhere in the world. When you really think mm-hmm. about it, the logistics of getting coast to coast, I, I make the point, and I'm sure we'll get to it here as we consider uh, what we hope will be the, the, the recurrence of the London series. Mm. But I, I, in, in advocating for baseball in Europe and, and baseball being played there, I've often made the point that, that psychologically for us in the States, sometimes we think about, oh, my gosh, playing a series in London, how are you going to be able to do it? I always say, you get on a plane and fly from New York to London, it's not too different than Seattle to Miami or yeah. Seattle yeah. to yeah. Tampa Bay, which yeah. happens yeah. with a with a pretty good degree of regularity in our country, or, or L.A. to Miami. These are all long trips. And so uh, I, when you think about, uh, uh, you know, obviously the, the UEFA Champions League is its own um, multinational entity uh, as sort of a super championship. But in terms of a single entity league, MLB and, and, and the, the leagues that we have here in North America are really singular in their geographic expanse. And we have to understand, uh, Nick, that we, we may be dealing with further travel disruptions. If all of a sudden a hotspot pops up in the city during the course of a season, what do we do? And I, I think that has to be on the minds of everyone here. And that's why, to circle back to the point we made earlier, you, you've got to have these measures in place from a social perspective. And you've really got to make sure that you, that you lean into them and, and give them as much heat as possible because – you cannot afford to ramp everything back up, have a flare up, and then these plans that you've worked so hard on for months um, are, are really jeopardized again. You simply cannot afford to have that happen. When in doubt, take the extra week, take the extra two weeks to be doubly sure that you've got it right. And, and I really believe that we have a chance to be rewarded for that on the back end. Absolutely. John, what about in terms of yourself? Uh, you know, what have MLB Network told you? Are they going to? Karen reporting what and for yourself what are you going to do during this void of no baseball good question yeah great question dave you know it really uh i think first and foremost uh, and i'm sure it's the same thing in the uk for all of us americans now we have to really view our our obligations to citizenship first and foremost mm. and and there is plenty of work that can be done in our communities um that needs to be tended to separate from our work lives. I really think our, our work, our work lives in many cases, if you're a, if you're not essential to the functioning of the, of the city or the state or the country, uh, as candidly, I certainly fall into that category. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I am at my core baseball broadcaster and and that is not germane to the saving of lives here. So I I think that, you know, I, I can only speak from my own prism here and, and, and thinking about the closure of schools, which we have in my home state for the next three weeks, um, and, and honestly, uh, I, I'll just share with you in our country, uh, in, in our state, there, there are a great number of children who, who unfortunately are, are in a, a situation of, of income inequality and, and poverty such that they're not able to get, um, full healthy meals at home every day. And the school becomes to a lot, to a lot of those children, the place where they can get a good meal uh, or two good mm-hmm. meals a day, breakfast and lunch. And yeah. so honestly, uh, from a standpoint of citizenship, I'm more so than thinking about, you know, when camps open up again, I, I'm thinking about where I am, obviously acknowledging what the, the quarantine, the various quarantines and other social distancing that exist in, in, in American society right now, how we can help financially just for kids to be able to get meals. I mean, that's something that we're all talking about and really addressing uh, on, on that level. And also certainly our, our own obligations to, uh, to our children in, in, in the midst of an of a educational uh, brick-and-mortar closure. Uh, we are now quite literally the educators of our kids 
full time. Usually that's the case in a lot of the time, but it really has to be all the time now. So I, I've really been thinking a lot along those lines and, and uh, more of a, a citizen and husband and father first. And then the, the, the baseball part, uh, as much as we can, certainly when, when, when called upon, I'm, I'm eager to help, whether it's radio or television or writing, I, I'm certainly uh, standing by, but it's, it's a very, uh, a very surreal time. We've got a month of at month, at least mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. without games to cover. And I, I think that um, for all of us, I think the more, uh, the more that we can find uh, meaningful pursuits, uh, whether it's professional or, or in our, in our community lives, we've got to really tend to those obligations and help those yeah. who are most vulnerable, which of course includes the people at the hospitals right now uh, who are both giving and receiving care, because that is of course the, the, the epicenter of, of this terrible outbreak. Yeah. Sure. I couldn't, could not agree more. Absolutely. Um, um, John, as you growing up, your career is incredible. You know what? What a job you have! It's it's incredible. It's literally living the dream. Um, growing up, uh, obviously in Michigan, who was the team you followed, and what players did you love watching growing up personally? Yeah, Dave. Well, so I grew up in Michigan. Uh, sort of came of age as a baseball fan in the later part of the 1980s, and the Tigers. Uh, won the World Series. It was before, and that was 1984. Uh, before I really had a, before I really had much of a cognizance of the game, just based on age. So, so they were my team growing up. I still, uh, I was very lucky to watch Alan Trammell play. He was my favorite player. Uh, so uh, number three is reason why I wore number three in high school. You know, Alan Trammell was my favorite player uh, growing up, and so uh, to have that, uh, to have that experience of watching him play and then uh to be able to meet him when he was managing the tigers uh, really briefly as i was a young reporter and then to have the honor uh, later on in my career to be able to to do this long enough to to acquire a hall of fame ballot and vote for him uh ev- wow. eventually he got into the hall of fame did not get in by the writer's vote but still uh, i look back on my life and career to be able to um to be able to have voted for tram uh was a great honor for me uh and a great privilege and 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 I think, too, I'll share this. I think it's something we can all identify with. I've been incredibly humbled that in my years of covering baseball that I've had a chance to get to know Tram a little bit. And uh, I was there uh, in Cooperstown when he got inducted, not really in a working capacity, more in, more in just I wanted to go yeah. uh, because he was going in. And I remember I was able – there was a – the Tigers had a, a gathering the night before he got in. And uh, I, I was there uh, in the company of a lot of – guests and, and, and media and fans and people from the organization uh, and people who have, who have been close to Tram in the past. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm at Alan Trammell's and Jack Morris's Hall of Fame induction party the night before. Just what a surreal moment that was. Yeah. And Jack and Jack certainly uh, someone I've admired a lot and actually gotten to work with Jack on, on the broadcasting side of things as well. Um, so just, you know, two really classy people. And, and I remember having a conversation with both of them the night before the induction to be able to tell them, uh, how much I admired both of them growing up and, and uh, how many memories I had of watching them play. And then uh, what a great blessing in life to be able to get to know them later on. Uh, it's really surreal and, and uh, something that, that I never have taken for granted to be able to say that and, and, and uh, to see Jack Morris and Alan Trammell and Al Kaline, of course, one of the great names mm. in baseball history uh, of the Tigers and of the game itself, one of the true gentlemen of the game. So I, I, I would say that for me to, to have been able to, 
covered the Tigers for three years uh, during three pretty memorable seasons. Uh, starting in 06, they went to the World Series that year under yeah. Jim Leland. And Jim is one mm-hmm. of the great characters in the game as well. So just a lot of really fun stories of, of being around the game and, and uh, spending a lot of really formative years um, on, on the road covering the Tigers. And, and uh, uh, pretty special for me to be able to cover my hometown team. And then you know, transition gradually into a different role where now it's more of a national focus and I can do some of my broadcasting and, and hosting from my home uh, and, and or home studios, which is really important uh, as, as a father, I want to be able to be yeah. around as much as I can with <laughs> my kids, but certainly uh, traveling and, and being plugged into the game is, is a huge part of my life. And, and uh, so I, I try to balance it as best I can. It's challenging uh, any of us that are part of families and, and know, <laughs> know what that's like and, and the demands of, of being uh-huh. a parent first and foremost. But, uh, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a wonderful job. It's a challenging job. And one that uh, I wouldn't trade for anything. It's certainly one that, uh, by the mechanics of it, I miss a lot right now because it's it's yeah, fundamentally bet, different. And and, uh, and and there is something uh, therapeutic about being at the ballpark. And I'm just really hoping that uh, that we're able to get through this collectively uh, as we all talk about it, and, and hope to get back to the ballpark here uh, in the next couple months. For sure, I think um, I'd echo. Uh, I'd echo that and say it must be a, a real honor to have uh, the position that you do in baseball and um, we'd all we'd all love to be able to <laughs> have that kind of a, a role ourselves and we've been quite lucky over the last year to speak to a number of your um, sort of peers if you like uh, such as Craig Calcaterra, Marley Rivera and, and others to name a few um, in speaking to them, they're always fascinated to see and to hear about the interest in MLB in Britain. And I was just wondering, from your perspective, how, how do you feel that British baseball interest is, is perceived in MLB circles, both that goes for both players and clubs? Are they aware of it? Are they? Um, uh, is it something which is ever talked about when the London series was first um, broached? I mean, is, is there any sort of perception that you can kind of glean from, from 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 the reaction or, or how would how would you describe it because because well, it, from our from our perspective over the last couple of years there's been a huge groundswell of um of, especially across social media of uh all the different teams in mlb having uh, very dedicated fans setting up obviously podcasts like our own their own websites merchandise you name it um so i'd be fascinated to hear what your thoughts are on on, on that well, I, I'm glad we've got a lot of time with with no commercial break coming up because uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on this one. This is uh, this is go, go uh, beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. And so, first and foremost, I think MLB has they've had an office in London uh, for for a generation, basically, as as you all well know, which is I, I think certainly a natural uh, jumping off point for all European operations for MLB. Uh, I think just because of the the cultural connection, the the ease of travel between London and New York. Uh, the, the common language. There's a lot of reasons why England yeah. and, and the UK, broadly speaking, and, and is, is a natural spot for MLB to be very active. And I think culturally, too, we're, we're you know, cultural cousins, right? We've always sort of been that yeah, way. And, and for I, sure, I yeah, that, definitely. That, in, that, in that sense that we, we have a lot in, in common uh, traditionally, and, and I think you look at the incredible popularity of, of the Premier League here in the States, and I've often thought to myself, there's no reason why we can't have the same thing in, in reverse. And it's going to take time. Absolutely. But I, 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 would, I, would, all, I, I would love, and, and I've, I mentioned to you before we started uh, filming, that unfortunately I've not had a chance to, to, to arrive in London yet, and I would love to uh, soon. But I, I would love to see what the scenes are like and what collaborations could exist um, between the baseball infrastructure here in the, in the U.S., 
and, and all of you love the game in, in, in England and in the UK more broadly, that, I mean, to me, I would, I would wonder our, our afternoon games, for example, like a one o'clock start uh, here would be just around, you know, after dinner time at a Six pub in, in, in London. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those kinds of watch parties, I know, I know MLB has done a great job with, with the home run house that they've opened up near the mm. London Stadium. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and the fun at bat program. And that, that to me is, is I think where I want to focus on is just that the, the, the fun at bat and, and the commissioner Manfred has talked a lot in recent years about how with baseball, the, the extent to which you follow the game is almost always tied into, did you play it growing up and how young were you when you had your first exposure to the game, whether it's playing it, whether it's going mm. to the ballpark. And, and so Getting more people playing it at a young age has a chance to really inspire a lot. And uh, I want to credit Liam Carroll, who's a friend of mine, uh, the manager of the, of the British national yeah. team, uh, a tremendous, tremendous person who's done a lot to grow the game, as you well know, in Great Britain, who's actually you know coached for a while in the U.S. and has some experience in the U.S. I think Liam is a perfect ambassador because he understands the American infrastructure from his, ex- from his lived experience here in the States. And he also obviously is, is, is born and raised and lives in, in, in the UK. So he understands both angles here. And that's why it was just so heartbreaking for all of us to, the, the qualifiers couldn't happen in, in, yeah, in March. Absolutely, and I was so, yeah. so looking forward to watching the, the British team play there. So it's, it, it's, to me, I would say that, that we have to make sure that we keep the momentum going, that, 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 that the drive to, to grow the game, as long as a school is open, as long as a few kids are playing on a playground, um, as long as there could be a bat and a ball around them, then then there is hope and there is and there are dreams of of developing uh, a player there. I, I think that it's important for all of us to remember and and not to get you know too far afield of, of history and, and and out of the sports world. But there have, as we all know, whether it's through conflict of, or other issues that have happened in the history of the world, um, there have been incredible disruptions to school, to the lives of children, to the lives of families. Um, and, and tragic loss of life throughout the course of human history and even going back to the, to the 20th century. Uh, and we have to remember that, that in the midst of all that, there, there, are, there are still incredible inspirational stories to be told. There are, there are humble ways for people to still love their sports and learn their games. And, uh, and you, you think of uh, uh, stories uh, in recent years of, of how, how can – a generation of soccer players possibly come of age uh, in, in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina during their mm. early and mid 1990s. Mm. And yet they find a way to keep playing. It's just, I, I just, I'm inspired so much by, by tales of, of people who've, who've overcome and still kept playing their games. And, and I think that, um, listen, we don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. We just simply don't. But I, I do know that, that, that games and, and community uh, even in the midst of social distancing that we hear about, darn it, there, there's uh, when it's safe, when it is safe, I, I'm, I'm going to say that when it is safe to do so from a public health standpoint, um, we need to play our games Seven. again when it's when it is safe. And, and I think that uh, I, so I, I want to just stress to, to all of the young people and the families listening to us in Great Britain, when it's safe to go out and play, please go out and play and, and, and keep those dreams alive and, mm-hmm. and find ways find yes. ways for us to, to keep the momentum going because uh, we, we can't, we don't know if it's going to be safe for, for 50,000 people to be at London stadium in, in June. We can hope so. We don't know yet, but I, I do think that whether it's a couple friends in the backyard playing catch or, or, 
or playing strikeout as they would call it uh, for yeah. years here in the states, where you can play up, uh, you know, against it, where you're pitching against a wall and trying to hit. For goodness sakes, let's is when it's as long as it's safe for two people to be in the same place, let's do it. Let's find ways to dream and let's overcome this and 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 find some great stories to tell about homegrown. British mm. players in the big leagues here in the years to come. That would be the dream. That would be the dream just to see a British pitcher or a British hitter in the majors would be so special. Mm. Go on, Nick. And, and it can happen. And John, it um, can happen. You know, it, it can happen because yeah. we, we've seen it. Uh, we saw it with, with Max Kepler in, in Germany. Germany, uh, yeah. We're seeing it right now in the Czech Republic. Dutch as well as such a great job. Mm. Yeah, Martin Shervenka from uh, the Orioles is really mm. potentially a one, one injury call up away from being a, a major league catcher this year. So it can happen, and I and I'm a big believer that that once you get those those first people to uh, to really become uh, the the advocates and the face of, of baseball in a country, magic can happen, and and, and then they can come back and, and teach the game to the next generation. It's not going to happen overnight, and goodness knows we've had a lot of disruption here in the last couple of weeks. That's probably going to stretch for far longer than that. Yeah. Uh, but in the midst of all that. There's, there's got to be opportunity. There's got to be a silver line. There's got to be hope. And so I would just say to, yeah. the, the, to the British Federation and, and to all those involved, we, we cannot lose the momentum. We've got to keep playing the games when it is safe to do so and, and to keep dreaming that big dream. Yeah, that's spot on. And John, what do you think the, uh, the appetite is of Major League Baseball clubs themselves to grow the game over here? Um, do you I, think, obviously, we, we've just spoken about how, I mean, I fully agree with you, especially at the grassroots level, just to get people playing the game. But what do you think the clubs themselves actually see the opportunities are, particularly with the London series? They saw how the Yankees and the Red Sox got on over here and basically the love for the, for the London series and how well it went down. So what do you think their appetite is? Well, it's a great point, Nick. And I think that there is there is a belief and an understanding that, that we, uh, in, among the American sports uh, establishment if you will that, that we are we are really still in the early decades of, of really uh, and maybe in some cases years of understanding the true strength of our brands uh all around the world that you could see a a yankee hat in london you could see uh <laughs> the red sox but certainly you see it more often than that and you see it far more uh uh commonly than we might even think other teams and certainly hope, we hope that the cardinals and cubs are going to be there i i think that that for me a lot a yeah, lot of Tigers I, I, hats, by the way. Uh, You'd be pleased to know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Tigers hats. Yeah. I, I know, by the way, Curtis Granderson, uh, one of the great ambassadors in the game, he took a trip there to, to London, mm. I believe it was 06, 07, to visit the yeah. MLB London office there. And so maybe a, a legacy of Curtis's trip there as well. Uh, but of course, as they call it, the old English D. So perhaps not, not a surprise there, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that synergy. But I, I think that, that it's, it's, to me, one of those things where, where we we sometimes I, I think here in here in the states we're we're such a big country we're so spread out that mm. sometimes our 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 sheer size almost blinds us to some of the opportunities that we've got mm. around, the, <laughs> around the world that yeah. we don't realize. and that's not really it's no one's fault it's it's kind of just a natural mm. uh, maybe uh, inclination that we're, we're we're so big that it's kind of natural to think about. Uh, sort of the immense opportunities and, and, and the vast spaces that we have within our own country that sometimes we don't often look without in the way that we should. And I, I think that maybe maybe what we're going through right now as a world perhaps makes us a bit, a bit more um, externally 
thoughtful and, and, and sort of expands that perspective. I hope maybe one silver lining is that it could, that we really think more about the world and, and realize how connected that we are because it does, it, it, it puts a smile on my face to hear that the hat that I wore as a kid is being worn in mm. London or in Bristol, uh, you know, in, in Manchester, yeah, definitely. Uh, in Liverpool, yeah. all places around that, 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 that makes me smile and gives me hope. And I, and I would tell you that, that, that certainly as I go around uh, the towns here in Michigan, that you see when I was a kid growing up and I, I grew up, I mentioned I was in high school in the late nineties. Um, you would almost never in, in my small town, you would have never seen a Man U jersey, a Liverpool jersey. Uh, you would, you just have never, you would have never seen a, a, a really soccer jerseys mm, yeah. in, in large scale where I grew up in a very small town. Uh, it was not on our radar. It, it got to be there a little bit because of the 94 world cup, but even then it was not a consistent mm-hmm. topic of discussion, but I will tell you that when I, when I go to pick up my kids uh, at, at school, it is, I remember I just saw in the last few days, I saw a girl wearing the three lions you, uh, kit. I mean, it, oh, it's, really? it's a very, oh. Oh, oh, it, that is a <laughs> very, very Jules Rimmey still gleaming. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so we will still see a three lions uh, Jersey. I, I, I know from experience here that, uh, you know, as I've gotten more and more into soccer, that there's a, a great soccer bar where, where I live that when, when the world cup is going on, when the euros are going on, I, I was there when Italy played England in the last world cup and a tremendous environment there. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, you, you see a great cultural awareness that we have of, of European football most prominently. And, and I guess I would just say that, that for, for baseball, I think baseball realizes that there is the potential for the same thing to happen as it relates to baseball. And, and you are all living proof of it right now. Mm. I know the home run house is living proof of it right now. Fun at bat shows it. So I think as long as we're really intentional about it and aware of it, and, and when the time is right that we don't, um, and again, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months, that we, but that we don't uh, look at the current circumstances of the world and, and in mm. any way mm. recoil that we yeah. have that when, when, when it's safe, and when, when it's yeah. safe to do so, we must still be out there. We must we must still be bold and imaginative and thoughtful when the time is right. And uh, and again, heeding all the, the warnings when, when appropriate, but that we we, we mm. can't we cannot take this as a sign that we that we must withdraw because we really can't. We have to engage more than ever when it's safe to do so. And I think that is uh, I think one of the lessons that I have on my mind and, and I, 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 I'm sure that the, the, the message will be sent clearly from MLB to the rest of the world that we are not, we are not in any way forgetting about anybody. In fact, uh, that World Baseball Classic, a year from now, as long as uh, you know, good health is provided here, that, mm. that it's going to be more important uh, than ever. Absolutely. Um, yeah. just, just, just to go on one, one point there, you, you talked about the, the potential for expansion into Britain. I'll ask you a slightly controversial question. Do you think that MLB have dropped the ball in comparison with NFL? Because we've seen such huge NFL growth here over the last decade. Um, and I, I wonder what your thoughts are as to whether MLB had slightly, not missed the boat because it's, it's very much still there, but whether they miss, missed the trick in not doing what NFL did and sort of engaging with, with the, the UK fans and actually sort of cultivating an atmosphere of... of uh, NFL UK interest, whereas it, it seemed a bit different from a, from an MLB perspective. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's it's a it's a fair question to to look back and think about 
the, the various steps that, that went into the process for MLB to, to grow the game. I think the one, the one thing I would certainly say uh, on MLB's behalf at the top is mm. that, that when you consider uh, the NFL, for example, be, given the, the, the one game a week nature of their schedule, it's a much, it's a much easier request on the players Absolutely, to do that yeah. for a week for one game as opposed to disrupting uh, some of the rhythms in a very routine-oriented sport uh, when, when the travel can be a little more challenging to, to do out and back. I, I realize you know, I'm, I may be contradicting the point I made earlier about, how, about the travel time in and of itself, but hmm. between New York and London and, and Seattle and Miami, for example, but it is the time change is real. And and the, the notion of how you schedule it in with the requisite off days is also very real. And so I, I think that that scheduling issue, I think, was a bit of an impediment. And also for the NFL, it was when you consider where they were the, uh, for a very domestically oriented league, as the NFL is in terms of the player population, mm-hmm. there was not really uh, a, a, a competing notion of of we've got to sort of service and go to other other major constituencies of mm-hmm. our major league product for the MLB's case that they've played games now in Puerto Rico, in Mexico, uh, in, in Japan, multiple Australia, times yeah, yeah. and Australia as well. Yeah. So there were, there were already, and, and by the way, there are, for example, there are more, I would dare say Australians who have played um, in, you know, born and raised Australians played, or at least a comparable number in MLB than have there been, uh, players from great britain playing in in the nfl for example yeah. there's just there's we have got in, in our in our case um there are those constituencies that, that exist in in mlb that that out, out of respect to the tremendous latin american population tremendous uh, japanese population uh, that have been a big part of the game korea as well uh that that trips have been made there simply because uh there is that greater cultural connection to the game on the field itself and i think that that perhaps um uh, was 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 there would there have been a time in the past where it could have worked perhaps but i think the important thing is that that mlb is there now and yeah. i i don't i don't look mm-hmm. at it at all mm. there being a mutually exclusive moment of of being an nfl fan and being an mlb fan i think that there there is there is an audience for both and in some ways the, the, the daily nature more. of baseball yes thank you the, the the daily nature of baseball um gives you a very unique rhythmic experience where once you fall in love with a team it does become that ritual part of your day that i hope oh, uh, yeah. has great yeah. Deal to yeah. Fans yeah yeah definitely lack of it's, sleep it's interesting to say that because yes. uh i'm finding the more and more baseball fans i meet a lot of them have actually come from the nfl route they've got their nfl team and now they've seen oh hang on there's a baseball team based there as well and they'll start to follow that baseball team as well and nfl has really worked here and I think the same model that MLB take to that, I think MLB will take off here. No doubt about it. And it, especially if they start getting into schools, that really helped. The NFL going into schools, I think, has really, really helped the population. The games start out every single time they come here. I think if baseball did the same, get, give the kids, like you said, give the kids a bat and ball. Or even adults, you know, home and house is yes. brilliant because you, you can have a go. You can actually, and you can have a beer at the yes. same time, which is just a win-win. Oh, which is, oh, it's, always, <laughs> it's, always, it's always better that way, by the way. And, and when, <laughs> yeah. when uh, next time you're... Uh, uh, there's a great, there's a, an establishment near Wrigley Field where you can do that exactly. There's an indoor, it's a bar indoor batting cage spot that I would uh, that I would recommend when you're when you're in uh, when you're in Chicago. Mm. Same kind of a concept, mm. but it, it's uh, 
you're right. And, and I think that getting people to play the game and get comfortable with the game, understanding the nuance is, is so crucially important. And, and the point that I like to make last year as we were getting ready for the first London series was uh, the, the great historian David Block, uh, whose work I'm sure you're probably familiar with. Uh, David Block uh, wrote a book about how uh, baseball as it exists was actually – uh, founded and created in England uh, in, in the yes. 1740s. Yes. So, uh, so baseball existed before the U.S. existed, and it was born <laughs> in England and then immigrated to the U.S. So we've got – we owe you all a great debt of gratitude. I would say that uh, we can now say officially baseball has come home and, uh, and by, by the London series, and we now have to just kind of cultivate it and remind you it's been a bit of a break of a couple hundred years. That's okay. That's cool. Yeah, as was going on, the, I think it was the town, of, I believe, of Walton on Thames, where there was a game. The Prince, uh, the Prince of Wales, played in a game there against the, I think maybe the, the Duke of the Duke of Sussex, mm. I believe, was playing the game as well. So, so we've had royalty playing the game before. We've got a great heritage there for you to call upon. So we're all good. We had to just kind of pick up where we left off a couple hundred years ago. We'll, we'll be all set. <laughs> We'll hit the ground running, definitely. I think we'd love to lead the way as well. You know, there's there's an ever-growing fan base here. Um, quickly on to the WBC, obviously, as you said before, a massive disappointment because the games are also going to be available on YouTube and free for everyone to watch as well. Um, in terms of Team GB, it would be huge if they made WBC next year. Like, massive, another massive step for the game over here. What do you think Team GB's chances really are because they're, they're two wins away do you think they can do it it's a tough group they're in it is a tough group and and we have to hope that perhaps the they'll reprise uh that the qualifying group maybe sometime in september uh once we get a little more clarity on facilities but i think with the roster they had um and, and their ability to of course there's there's players that are uh british american players uh, there are players from the Bahamas who have who qualified for British passports. So uh, I think Liam has done a very good job of, of, of building up that roster and program all around, which is what you have to do. And, mm. and I think that they've got a very, very good opportunity to qualify. Uh, there's a lot of schools of thought, of course, on how, you know, how you qualify, how you build your roster. Uh, and I admire so much, certainly what the Czech Republic has done where a lot of their players are in fact homegrown and, and have grown up in the Czech Republic. But I, I see no issue whatsoever with, with, with growing the game by by bringing more people into the family uh, from the Bahamas, from from the U.S., from Canada. Uh, I think that, that is a perfectly wonderful way to build your roster because the key thing is getting to the dance. Once you're in the dance, yeah. then there's more, yeah. there's more <laughs> funding mm-hmm. that comes to you, and there's all of a sudden, uh, then once you're in the dance, maybe that uh, we'll see some uh, British television networks want to broadcast the games, and there's interest there. Uh, and, and that becomes a, a phenomenon where, where you see where you see more uh, more uh, interest in it that, that develops and, and yeah, I think that, that yeah. A, yeah exactly that becomes more uh, perhaps more interest in that way uh, that, that ends up drawing more people into the sport which again is the whole point of the exercise the more yeah. people, people playing at a young age the better it is for the growth of the game there is and we're going to win it all we're going to win it all. Yeah. We're going to win it all. Hey, there, hey, hey, remember, there, there, there was a time back in the 1950s when, uh, when, when the U.S. beat England in the World Cup. That happened, okay? So, so strange yeah. stories have happened mm-hmm. in, the, in the history of the world. And so uh, I, I can say that we have seen 
uh, miraculous moments happen in sports. Uh, back in the 50s, that was one of them there uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of first-generation Americans, uh, many of them from St. Louis, uh, beating, beating England in that game, which was one of the upsets of the century. Uh, so we, we, we saw that happen. So maybe we'll see Great Britain beat the U.S. <laughs> in the World Baseball Classic. That could happen. <laughs> in Liam, we trust. In Liam, we trust. That's right. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, we've got to find ways to, to fill the void here. Um, well, I've got to sit with the wife and watch Love is Blind on Netflix and, oh, and all sorts <laughs> of go. garbage that she watched. But Great when, show. when I do get a chance to have the TV to myself, is what baseball movies would you recommend for us out there? Oh, great, great question. There's so many great ones. Uh, so I, I would say this, that uh, first and foremost, you know, Field of Dreams is obviously one of the more remarkable yeah. ones, mm-hmm. especially because you're, you're at a spot where we're, we're, we're hoping to have, we're hoping to have, and that's, you, you heard my daughter in the background getting excited about this. Uh, the, uh, the, the Field of Dreams, I would say, is, is number one if you haven't watched that because of the, the history there, and we're hoping to see uh, the, the series played there, the, the, the game the played game, there yeah. this year. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that, that's a big moment. Uh, I would say Field of Dreams, the natural is great. Uh, for his, historical purposes, the Babe is also great uh, about Babe Ruth's life. The Sandlot, which I, I think actually the yeah. Sandlot to me, if you're going to help grow the game among young British fans, the Sandlot is set in California, uh, and it's it's a it's a wonderful uh, story about how a group of, of kids grow up loving the game, a very much a coming of age story. And I, I think that uh, in these times, it would be useful to have that as a good comparison point for young mm. kids in, in Britain getting used to to falling in love with the game. It's just kind of that 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 summer feel, a lot of Americana, but there's no reason why uh, you can't borrow that same thing. <laughs> and bring it over to Great Britain and, and, yeah, and help it grow the game there. So yeah, I would say Sandlot's great. Um, you know, For Love of the Game is a is a kind of a story. It's it's got actually For Love of the Game is a great. It, it, there's a romantic story built into it, so it's kind of a good movie to watch uh, uh, with your spouse. I would say it's kind of one, yeah, that's one for, for the everybody. Wife, Dave. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful uh, kind of coming together. Story, so I, I said so that, that's a great one as well. There's, there's a good long list of great baseball movies, um, so I, that, that should give us a start. But circle, circle, yes, yes, circle back. And I, and if, and if you need any more uh, recommendations, we'll have to you know feel free to reach out on, on Twitter or potentially uh, next time we chat on the podcast as well. I enjoyed which angels, um, angels in the outfield, Dave. That's the one, angels in the outfield, another great one. Uh, there we uh, go, little big league, little big league is a good one. Got so many good rookie. Ones. So summer, I, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed summer catch. The rookie, yeah, yes, the million dollar arm one. as well. Yes, million dollar arm. Is, oh, it's a great one. Yeah, uh, trouble with the curve about a father and daughter. Uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Amy Adams, and that one. Moneyball, money yeah. of course. How can I forget Moneyball? Um, uh, there was one more that was kind of on the tip of my tongue that I. Oh, summer catch, which is about the uh, the Cape Cod League and and uh, uh, what the summer environment is there on on Cape Cod about. Uh, also a love story built in there too. So what was one uh, Tom Hanks was in? Uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, League of Their Own. Gracious. League of Their Own. Yes, yes. League of Their Own, and uh, and that's that's one of the great movies of all time. I would say that for for sure. As as a as a, as a proud father of daughters, yes, League of Their Own for sure. You have to have to put that one in the in the conversation. A great Tom Hanks movie there. So yes, uh, League of Their Own. I would actually say that's probably top three or four for me as I'm now thinking through it as as one that you should definitely <laughs> make sure that you watch. Right, and then lovely list there to get through. <laughs> it's definitely going to pass some time. 
Uh, George, yes. any, any more questions there, buddy? Um, yeah, I was just, uh, just this is more of a general one, um, slightly more lighthearted. Just wondered, can you name, just give us a little anecdote, maybe an awkward or embarrassing moment from, from your career that would probably be interest, of interest for um, UK fans listening to the game? Maybe from your your days as, as a Tigers beat writer or, or whenever. Any, it could be recent, whatever, sure. whatever you like, really. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, okay. Um, that, that's a great question. I, I am I am the king of awkward moments. I've had a lot of <laughs> um, I, I would say one one lighthearted funny one. I, I once was uh, for just for a for a question about a struggling starting pitcher, which I will defend as always to this day, uh, was a was a, a, a valid and fair question, but perhaps <laughs> not framed as it well as it should have been. Uh, I was uh, I was uh, uh, a, a manager who shall remain nameless in this particular conversation. Uh, I would say uh, rather, rather asked me to, uh, uh, to displace myself from the manager's office and, and, and leave for, for offense having been taken to the question that I asked about, about a, about a struggling pitcher who did not pitch well that night. Uh, so uh, in the midst of this, uh, this, this uh, rather, uh, animated dismissal uh from the post game press conference that i that i received i i was walking i was walking down the hallway approaching the clubhouse which was very close to the manager's office basically indicating that that whoever the first person was to leave the manager's office would have been the object of this of this uh uh this this rather uh rather abrupt dismissal from the from the press conference and i remember distinctly like walking down this hallway and looking up at all the players and they all looked up at me, and they all realized it was Morosi who asked the question. They all, <laughs> no. there was this, they all just kind of looked up at me and just shook their heads and went about their because they had of course lost. There was there was nothing really was really going to become of this other than further shame by me. And so uh, I, I I realized what was the question? That, uh, uh, I I just I asked if the if the pitcher after after a, a really rough start and a bad loss. It was just it was just. The manager was not in a very good mood, and so I, I, I basically just asked if he was going to still make his next start and keep his job in the rotation. Oh wow! Basically. And so I like it. I like it. Uh, it was a, it was a fairly direct question. I was I was I think what twenty six years old. I was in a very uh, a little more cavalier stage in my career, a little more direct in my questioning back in those days. And so I uh, I, I rather I rather directly asked the question, and uh, I was rather directly uh, asked to leave. And so, uh, and so that was that. You know, again, fair but question, probably. The but, big but question I, is, yeah, did he did he make his next start? He did. He did make his next start. <laughs> uh, it, my 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 sense of kind of his tenuous grip on a spot in the rotation was correct, in eventually, uh-huh. but it was not. It was not by the next start. So it was my my. That was back in the day, guys, when my when like every every pulled hamstring was like a. Was like cause for a a, a thirty five column inch story on, and the, like, it was all huge news back in those days for mm-hmm. me. So yeah. I, I would yeah. say, with some, with with, I would like to think that I'm a bit more measured in my uh, assessment of stories now. But back then, everything was the biggest deal in the world, and uh, and and that would that certainly fit into that category as well. But it was nonetheless a good uh, learning experience, and I'll just never forget uh, the players looking up from uh, untying their shoes after a very bad loss to just awesome. shake their heads and say. It was Morosi. Brilliant. Love that. <laughs> to me, I think you kept in this job for a bit longer. 
I think that's stubborn. I, I that, that, exactly. <laughs> I, Just I, to prove you wrong. Gonna, yeah, exactly. I am not going to give Morosi the satisfaction of expunging <laughs> this poor guy from the rotation with that one question. I'm not going to let him do it. So that's you're probably right. I probably kept him in the big leagues in that role for a little while longer. <laughs> Is, is there any is there any players present and and past that you just love to interview that give you the best interviews? Who are the funnest players to to interview? Mm, great question. Uh, I, I'll say on the uh, keeping in the international realm, uh, it, it's no accident that my profile picture for a while has been uh, my interview with Adam Jones after. Uh, the U.S. walk-off win over Columbia in the World Baseball Classic. Mm. Uh, Adam, I've always enjoyed his candor. Uh, we're I'm I'm older than Adam by a little bit, uh, but we're about the same age. We have similar age kids, so I've always related really well to Adam. And just I really love his personality, his honesty. Um, he is someone who has always spoken his mind um, and, and done so forthrightly. And, and with a lot of care and empathy for others um, and, and just incredible amounts of respect that I have for Adam. I, I think he's just a great ambassador for the game. I'm mm. thrilled for him and his family. Obviously, it's not been the start of the season that we expected, but that he's having the adventure of playing in Japan now. He's done that with just a tremendous level of, of adventure and enthusiasm. But he's, he's great. I, 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 uh, uh, I certainly, on a, on a more somber note, uh, uh, in, in Baltimore and I believe 2015, when uh, when they played a game there with no fans because of some uh, some civil unrest following the the death of Freddie Gray in Baltimore, mm -hmm. uh, Adam spoke so authentically and, and just so beautifully after that game. I, I just get goosebumps just thinking about that moment uh, and just how he really helped that community heal in a really profound way. That I I still think about that with Adam and and it's it's part of why he's in my heart because I just I think mm. he he recognizes so much what the game means to communities and to our country. And, and I, he has never forgotten that. I just, I think I just, he, he gets it. He gets it in a very, very profound way that I've just always really enjoyed. And he also, he also um, is also very lighthearted. He'll, he'll tease me at, at different <laughs> times. I remember there was a time when, uh, uh, so 2011, the, the Orioles notably uh, knocked the Red Sox out of the, out of the playoff picture. They were well down the standings, but that amazing 162nd game that night, um, and and the Orioles won uh, to, to, to basically knock the Red Sox out of a playoff spot. And and around that time, I was in Baltimore at, for that final series, and I remember very well Adam kind of joking, "Oh, Morosi, you show up now that we're trying to spoil somebody's season. <laughs> like now we finally see you come to Baltimore. Like where you been all year? Like kind of teasing me." And then the next year, the Orioles actually made the playoffs. They really turned things around. And I remember distinctly like, walking the first time in, in the Orioles clubhouse. Oh, here he comes back again. <laughs> now that we're good. You know, so just kind of having fun with me about it. But he's just such a great way about him. And so I, I, Adam of the contemporary players, um, I, I just I, he's always going to have a special place in my heart. I, I just he he's Excellent. somebody that, that and also by the way he's playing the World Baseball Classic twice, um, mm. and he's so he's he's representing his country two times. Uh, he's wanted to do it eagerly from a military family, he just, he really understands what it's about. And so I, I think when I think about uh, why the game is, is great and why it's, why it's so special uh, in our country and around the world, uh, I think of Adam Jones. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome answer. When the season finally does get going, whenever that is, who, come on, let's have it. Who, your prediction as a world series, Astros Dodgers? 
Oh, well, I'll I go for that. I'll go for that. that rematch. Uh, I, I would say this, that, that uh, I think one of the more, uh, I think the Dodgers overall, they're the best team in the NL. Uh, mm. I, I still see maybe a little bit of concern with their pitching staff, but they are an amazing team, and I cannot wait to see Mookie Betts and Bellinger playing together. Uh, so I, I would still say it's, it's not going to stun anybody here, but I think probably the Dodgers are the choice in the National League. In the American League, we could see a surprise, and uh, I, it would not surprise angels. me. Yeah, angels. <laughs> that would be a big not, surprise. Yeah. Not, that would be that would be angels. an extraordinary I, surprise. I, I appreciate your suggestion and your hope there. I, I don't <laughs> think they quit on the pitching yet. Give them a couple years there. Uh, but uh, so, as much as I'd love to tell you that, I, I, I think my my <laughs> AL pick, and I like to be a little bold and and maybe go off the board with at least one of my picks. And since the Dodgers are kind of the consensus pick. I'm going to say the Rays in the American League. The Rays. Ooh. They were they were wow. so close very, very to, good team. Very good so team. close to knocking off uh, the the Astros in the first round last year. Mm. And yep. um, and I think this is a year where the Astros. We know, of course, what what they've been dealing with here in spring training. Um, and the Yankees with their renewed injury questions. Stanton yeah. and Judge and Hicks. Mm, all those else, issues yeah. there. Um, I, I think this could be a year for a surprise, and and that that could mean. Tampa, it could mean Oakland, who's a really good team that people still don't talk about yeah. enough. So I, I, yeah, I think this definitely. is one of those years Locked where, yeah, yeah the, the Red Sox are, are, are retrenching a little bit and, and kind of beginning a different phase for their, for their organization. Mm. So I've got Dodgers, Rays in the Love Andrew it. Friedman series oh. with, uh, with the Dodgers uh, finally finding a way to win in six games. Incredible. The, the Rays are Brilliant. <laughs> Rays are a funny team because everyone goes like, two years ago, they're going to tank. They're going to tank. Oh, they nearly made the playoffs last year. They're going right. to tank this year. They're going to tank. Oh, they made the playoffs. And then this year, it's just incredible. Everyone expected them to tank the last two years. And yet here they are yeah. now in, in a possible a World Series discussion. It's More incredible. Than some of their they parts, know, yeah. Yeah. And, and they know who they are, mm. which, is, which is one of the most important things, I think, to really drive home. And and we can certainly get get more deeply into this next time we 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 yeah. talk about kind of the more roster mechanics. But they know what kind of players fit for them. They're never afraid to make a trade. They also almost by definition have zero bad money on their on their books. They're they're almost yeah. they almost never have bad contracts because they simply can't sign expensive players based on their budget. So mm-hmm. they they have a very nimble roster. And when you think about rotations. The best rotations are those that have youth and at least a couple guys that you can move around either to the bullpen or the minor leagues. And the Rays almost always have guys that you can do that with. You can send them out to the minor leagues. And and from a roster management standpoint, that's called having options, meaning you can be sent down to the minor leagues without having to go through waivers. And the Rays, if you look at their roster, they're almost always young. And they're almost always a couple guys that have options where you can move them up and back, which allows you to have fresh arms, which allows you to control workloads, which allows you to keep pitchers healthy longer. There's just a lot that you get when you have a flexible roster, especially with pitching. The Rays always do that, and that's why their guys keep getting hired away by other teams because mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. Uh, guys like Hyam Bloom, James Click, uh, Andrew Friedman before them. Uh, of course, they still have Eric Neander, who's a phenomenal baseball guy. So they just they have a really, really great organization that, that I'm always very impressed by. And um, they deserve a lot of credit. Stuart Sternberger, Matt Silverman, Eric Neander, great people. For sure. Definitely. Amazing. And, um, and John, do you have oh. any uh, do you have any questions for us? 
Sure. I guess I would say the uh, sort of my 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 closing uh, thought on it would be uh, mm-hmm. what what can MLB do uh, and and MLB I'm I'm part of it as well as 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 I'm speaking to you considering my reporting for the MLB Network and, and <laughs> just my, my my overall advocacy for the game internationally. What what more can we do uh, to help pair up and and link up with with where. Uh, the the UK baseball community is concentrated where you guys are watching games and, and maybe some unique venues where, where we can watch with you and, and uh, transmit uh, the enthusiasm that you have there uh, for, for baseball to really help the, the people back here in the States understand just how special the game has become to you as well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that aspect of watching games over here. Um, something which we have as a, as a as a movement which we created is, is something called hashtag MLB Meetups UK, which is where we set up live watch events for fans of all teams, all ages, new fans, old fans, you name it, to come to come down, have, have a drink, have some food, you know, talk baseball, watch baseball, and 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 really just cultivate and develop this this growing. MLB fan wider community that we have and uh, events have been held not just in London but up in um, in Manchester in uh, even as far as Aberdeen in, in, in Scotland in Glasgow uh, in Leeds you name it we really are looking to expand that so I think from our point of view what we'd love to see MLB do is to engage more directly with the fan groups over here to engage more directly with uh, the fans on social media and and to, and to try and mm. extend that that and understand that presence here, so we can kind of reflect that back and they can see that and say, look, there is a market there. There there are fans who are very passionate about the game. Um, there's you know you you have fans here who will watch it in many different ways, whether they'll watch it live, staying up into the late hours of the night, or maybe the next morning on um, MLB at bat, uh, they'll they'll watch the condensed games. Uh, we have a terrifically strong uh, support in the UK MLB fan base and we would love MLB to, to, to see that and interact with it. You know, if, if, maybe it's giveaways, maybe it's something else, maybe it's inviting fans to, to, to talk on, on podcasts or whatever, whatever it may be, just visibility of it. Um, mm. I think that would do wonders for us. Yeah. As, as well as it'd be great for you guys to see these events in action as well. And if, if we could send you guys clips of, of, all the, the, the masses of yeah. numbers of people we get at these events, not only in London, but over the country, and send them to you guys, and if you guys could play them out to on MLB Network, that would be amazing because you would truly see the passion and how popular this sport is becoming in this country. Just to see it in action and say, look, these crowds, these crazy people in London. It's because <sighs> even at gone midnight at some of our events, there's people still there watching the midnight games. You know, you can't you can't get rid of people. You know, it, come on, they're closing at 2 a.m. There's people still there watching the games at these meets. It's yeah, we had... That's beautiful. Mm, I mean, we had I, I, 150 people for, for the London series. We had, we had 150 people for the, for the first, um, for the game one of the London series, away, not, not close to the stadium. It was uh, in, in a venue near London Bridge. And we had 100 for the second game as well. So, I mean, we... We are so passionate about it, and we really want you guys to to understand that and um, and and know that we are for real when it comes to our interest in baseball. Mm-hmm. We're not we don't follow it as some gimmick. We're not in it for for some sort of reflected clout or whatever it is on social media these days. We're in it because we love the game. We're looking to grow the game, expand the fan base, and it, we we always say over here. Whilst yes, there there are club rivalries, of course, there are there are rivalries between the teams. We understand that the fan base in. Britain is young, uh, is, is kind of young, 
as a whole, whereby we're not looking to sort of slam people in different rivalries. We welcome fans of other clubs to come involved, get involved with it, whether, you know, if, if it's myself, an Astros fan, I'm happy to talk to, you know, <laughs> Yankees fans or whatever. I, we, 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 we enjoy that camaraderie as a group and um, we're so keen to show you guys uh, what, what we're about. Yeah. We that have sounds the great. 29... That sounds great. I was going to say, we have United. There are 29 UK clubs against the Astros. Uh, <laughs> and against George, <laughs> so there there are still some rivalries. If there's one thing still the same in America and here in UK and Europe, and it is the passion, the passion for the sport. Everybody has the same yeah, yeah. passion, the same. I know it's an American sport, but we here embrace the culture of it, embrace everything about the sport. And, and spreading it on to everybody else. And it is, honestly, it is really growing here. It, the movement, the movement's real right now. It is, it is. And at the London series, it wasn't just the Yankees and the Bow Sox that were represented. There was shirts and jerseys and caps for every single team. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and it really is fascinating that, like, the parallel to that here in the States is that when you're at a big soccer match, you do see mm-hmm. uh, a very eclectic mix of different kits that people are wearing there, uh, not just the teams that are playing, but everybody. And it's really a celebration of, of how uh, we in the U.S. have come to, to love uh, uh, the, the, your national pastime in soccer and football, as, uh, as, as you would call it, and certainly uh, vice versa. This, this, the same potential is there. The same potential is there for, for, uh, for the U.K. to more broadly fall in love with, uh, with America's national pastime because, of course, as we noted before, it was actually invented outside of London. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's now we are we are now coming home. We are coming home after, uh, after a couple of centuries. <laughs> and you're always, away, you're always they, welcome. Always welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank John. You. I, I, if you're you personally much. ever in the UK, let us know because uh, yeah, get at us, man. Great. Us. We'll sort up a meetup with, with yourself specifically. We we'll take you out I, for I a beer that. and look after you and a roast. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely thank a roast. I I can't wait. We we would have a lot of fun with that, and I've actually had. Uh, a, a fine roast, uh, uh, myself, my, my, my dear friend Paul, who used to live across the street from us here in Michigan. Uh, he is a, a native of Bristol, a uh, fan of the Bristol Rovers. Uh, so actually, my, uh, my, my daughter has a, a very dear Bristol Rovers kit that she loves to wear. So uh, we, are, we, are, we are probably, we're probably cool. the biggest... We're probably the biggest Bristol Rovers fans that you would ever find in Michigan, uh, and uh, and it's all and it's all it's all thanks to my, my dear friend Paul, uh, who also uh, uh, he and his incredible wife Alex that they, they, they cook a great roast as well. So who does uh, who does who doesn't love a roast dinner? I mean, honestly, well. uh, there you go, there you go. So we're uh, exactly we're, uh, food we're of the very, gods. Very very fortunate. Yeah. So 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 Bristol Bristol and and uh, and London, all these all these different spots. I want to see them for myself and, and get a chance to meet all the great baseball fans there. Awesome, amazing. John, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and, and giving up your time Likewise. to talk to us. It, it's been incredibly yeah, thank you, John. time has flown by. I've just seen the time. Yes. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, hey, it, it was a great pleasure. And again, thank you for uh, for, for just keeping the, the conversation going. Uh, I think I think we all need it right now. And and uh, mm. these these are difficult days. I think for for the world mm. and for, for sports fans. But my my hope is that this uh, our, our great conversation will be. Uh, will be archived for many years to come and we'll look back uh, uh, many London series in the future and, and come back to this conversation. And, and by then we will have uh, uh, healed from this period and, and, and moved on and grown. And, then, and then by then we'll have a, uh, a number of uh, British born 
players in the big leagues, and oh, we'll be able to dream, yeah. sit back yes. and sit back and really have a fun conversation about uh, how how we mm. grew together as as a group and how we we came together as as a world um, to to defeat this uh, this illness and and uh, uh, give ourselves the, the time and space to enjoy. The, the baseball and, and, and the community that we love so much. Yeah, for sure. You're yeah. always welcome back if you ever want to come and chat again. Definitely. It sounds great. Absolutely. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Dave, Dave, George, Tracy, Nick. It's been a, a really, it's, it's been a pleasure for me to be able to be with you. And uh, pleasure's all please ours. Stay, please stay in touch. Stay in touch and keep. Thank uh, you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you. You as well. Take care. Thanks so much, right. everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So again, a massive thanks for John Morosi for giving up his time and joining us. That was fantastic. I don't know about you guys, but I think initially we're going to have half an hour, but that <laughs> time flew by. It's so much fun. Awesome chat. I think uh, we, like I said, we really covered everything there. It was um, quite enlightening on on how it's how the whole virus thing is being perceived in MLB circles, and um, yeah, really enjoyed having a chance to to, to discuss the passionate interest that we have in baseball to, to John. And how great is it to know that we have somebody across the pond that has the same sort of passion we have in growing the game over here, mm. over there, and, and has such right. support. And his, and his support right. for Liam Carroll and what Team GB are doing. I mean, that was just fantastic to hear for me anyway. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, and we have potentially at the moment... Uh, some great guests coming up as well, but uh, watch yeah, we this space. I'm not going to reveal it, George. Don't worry, I could see you getting nervous there. Um, but yeah. watch this space for some more special podcasts to come. Uh, the season previews, we will resume the season previews, I think, obviously, near the time when we can build up to baseball again, when we know when baseball's coming back. Absolutely. Baseball stops, but we don't. We will be keeping you going during this uh, hiatus. And, um, yeah, I think we, we all... Uh, we've all got that task of keeping each other's spirits up so uh, yeah bring it on <laughs> absolutely and of course you can listen back to any of our previous podcasts on your favorite podcast provider uh, as ever guys thank you so much for listening uh, again the numbers have been fantastic we can't tell you how much we appreciate the feedback we get uh, please spread the word about the podcast subscribe and leave a nice little rating as well um, but don't forget, follow us on Twitter at PTBNLUK. I left that out because I can't say it. <laughs> I got <laughs> she's got it, though. <laughs> That's what she's here for. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, follow us at Twitter at PTBNLUK. And at MLB UK Community. And, of course, at MLB UK Community. That's the easy one. At MLB UK Community <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter as well. Guys, thank you very much. Wherever you are, stay safe, be vigilant, and uh, you'll be hearing from us soon. Thank you, guys. Good Bye. night. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Cheers, all.